Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. And Kate. This is Derek. And Megan. I legitimately think I scared Megan when I said that. She I was... didn't know we were starting. <laughs> and I was really distracted by Megan, so then I panicked. Well, because we're, we're on a time crunch. So I have I have to, I think I cracked my tooth, my back molar, so I got I got a dentist appointment at I have one. a benevolence meeting. You have a benevolence meeting? Was yeah. it about my cracked tooth? Yeah. Let's see if we can pen some funds for you. <laughs> We won't be able to. <laughs> not on the committee, but I'm pretty sure. It's not It's not happening. Did you? Do you have all the people you want on your benevolence team? I'm still looking, so still if anyone's interested. Anyway, that's why I brought it up. Look at me. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm plugging for you. Yeah, thank you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to motioning to her to lean in a little tell? bit. Because if you're too far, it won't pick you up. That's yeah. So that's why you gotta lean in. It's okay though. Hey, so we're uh, we're in. <laughs> so we're in part two on life in the spirit, and we're talking about what does that spirit-filled life look like. Okay, so uh, Paul is <laughs> man. We're all kinds of distracted. No, no, you guys are. No, fine. you looked over, so Megan like started to unscrew. Just open it. I like, think it's you. No, it's I might be distracted. <laughs> you I, don't worry about our conversation. <laughs> you focus on running the podcast. <laughs> We're fine over here. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're talking about life in the spirit, and we actually uh, reread again uh, Galatians five thirteen, and then we got into this list of things that Paul says to do and not to do, or specifically what we're not to do. Um, I use that illustration of the gas car and how we do things in the flesh, and I think one of the things that people struggle with is, or at least I struggle with, is I, sometimes I have this hard time picturing the Holy Spirit as a person. And not just a force. And there's that statistic, uh, uh, research poll done in 2021 by Arizona Christian University. 58% of Christians, I think it was 62% of evangelical born-again Christians, do not believe that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, but is merely an expression of God. Uh, God's something that you know highlights God, but he's not a person. He's not someone you have a relationship with. It's this impersonal thing of force or whatever. Uh, when you think about living in the spirit, when you think about the personality of the spirit, what comes to mind for you when you think about what makes the person, what makes the Holy Spirit a person for you? I think, first of all, that statistic right away, you kind of think, about, you you hear it and you go, oh man, that's so sad. I feel bad that people don't understand. But I was like, do you understand? <laughs> do I understand yeah. the Holy Spirit? Like, I don't know if I could really confidently without doing some pre-research, looking at something, yeah. looking something up and, and being like uh, introspective enough of like, what do I really think? If somebody off the street just came up to me and said, hey, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? I'm doing statistics. And like held a microphone in my face. I'd be like, uh, I'm doing an expression. Stats. It's a power source. I don't yeah. know. You know what I mean? Like, so, well, I don't think they did it. I don't think they did it on the street. No, <laughs> but that's what I'm picturing those. Like a Jimmy Fallon street yeah, walk yeah. or something? Yeah, something on like a late night TV. Like, and I would just Who's the Holy like, Spirit? Go. And they'll be like, did you guys see that kids director from Zion on the street? You know, statistic last night, she sounded stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be me. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. I immediately got sweaty thinking about that statistic. So when, when you think about the Holy Spirit, what, what is the personhood of the Holy Spirit? Because remember, person is not about having a body. It's not about flesh. What makes you a person is will, intellect, uh, uh, distinction, right? The Holy Spirit is a different person than the Son, than the Father. What comes to mind for you that when you think about the Holy Spirit as a person? Well... This isn't going to answer your question, but... Well, that's all. You know, by the way, you realize how many times that I ask a question and Jared goes, this didn't answer your question, what, but this, here's this what I want to say. This is what I'd rather talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, but it comes from what you're saying. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a strange thing because one of the things we had to do in seminary is we had to, in our Doctrine of Scripture class, the first thing we had to do is like, we had to look, do a word search on the Holy Spirit and all the different times it's mentioned. And it's a lot. Yeah. And then you look at how it's mentioned, especially in the New Testament, on how... Jesus looks towards the Holy Spirit and how Paul talks about the Holy Spirit. It is such an, a cool sounding relationship. Yeah. And how that gets lost on us today is, 
is baffling. Like these are people that, you know, Paul wrote half of the New Testament and like a lot of theology is credited to him and how he looks at the Holy Spirit. And it's like, we just kind of ignore that. And then look how, how Jesus continues to push us towards the Holy Spirit. Like, it's just weird. It, it's such a weird thing, like, uh, that we don't see that sort of relationship. I think everyone's really good at going, oh, yeah, my, my relationship with Jesus is so strong, or my relationship with God is so strong. But then we just kind of, like, they ignore the Spirit. Yeah, and it's such a weird thing because that is not how it seems to be modeled in Scripture. Yeah. And so... Where is that disconnect that we don't treat it like a relationship, that we still just treat it like a, I don't know. Like, okay, maybe Derek's question is better, or his statement is better. Well, so, okay, interestingly, I'll have clearly, a call. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys can make jokes. I now you know what it's like. Now you know what it's like being with Derek all the time. I'll just forget the answer I actually had to your question and move back on to, to what Derek wants to talk about. Well, no, no because we're going to come back to mine. But so, so for instance, I, when I talk to people and they're so quick to focus on sin behavior and they'll point to Paul's this. Well, Paul says that, you know, these people can't inherit the, the kingdom of God, drunkards, liars, all these different things. And it's like they completely neglect. But the next part is the spirit, life in the spirit. And life in the spirit isn't about behaviors. It's about attitudes that affect those things. And it's like, I wonder why part of that is, and this goes back to why I asked the question, when you think about what is the person of the Holy Spirit, what are the characteristics of it? One of the big things that the Spirit consistently brings us back to is self-awareness. Like the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts, who reveals, and that is part of the Holy Spirit in me. That's the relationship. I have to listen to the person of the Spirit who actually is saying, Jason, you know, I think we were talking about it earlier. I'll do something and I get that little nudge that says, you probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And that's often the Holy Spirit. It might be the little Jiminy Cricket. Sometimes we think that's who the Holy Spirit is. Jiminy Cricket, like in Pinocchio. Yeah. But he's not. He's not the conscious. He's not a subconscious. It's an actual part of the Holy Spirit of God mm-hmm. that's in us. That for me, I'll do something and I get that little nudge and going, Jason, that is not the heart of yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And And sometimes I'm like, shut up. I love that you said that, like, your self-narrative is not always what you would consider what, like, God's speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes people get that mixed up. And I think that sometimes we get a very narcissistic view of what the the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. It's because you're believing that your self-narrative, what you're telling yourself in your own voice is, oh, yeah, this totally affirms what I'm doing. Of course it does. It's you. Well, so I'll actually say that when I'm listening to the Spirit, like those times that afterwards, you can't always tell it's the Spirit until the fruit is revealed. The times that I feel that it's not my voice, I'm not hearing me. It's I, how I kind of look at the distinction of the person and the Spirit. Sometimes I get that nudge and it's not the inner Jason monologue. Like I can hear my voice in my head. By the way, did you know there's a certain amount of people? That who, don't do that? They don't. When they read a word, they don't hear the word. They don't think it first. They don't think in language. They think in pictures. That's weird. Anyways, yeah, here, no, here nor there. Percentage. Here nor there. But Sometimes I'll hear something, and part of my discernment in that relationship is I go, was that my voice, or did that feel different? And when it's when it's my voice, I, I'll just say, that was me. But every once in a while, I'll get that thing that feels different, and then I'll try and be obedient to that. So that's for me. It's that conviction, but it's not that shame inner voice conviction. It's like something else saying, Jason, you're, you missed something. You missed the bigger picture. I, I, I wonder, I want to pose this to you guys, and this just came to me. I have no idea the if this is Jesus. True. What? The answer is Jesus. Sunday's it could answer. be. But uh, I wonder if we, and it's based off something you just said, I wonder if if we assign labels to the Trinity in a way that, that puts a negative spin on the Holy Spirit. It's like when we think of God the Father, like he loves his child no matter what. Like I think we maybe sometimes we, we ignore some of the, the convicting parts of God the Father. And then we look at Jesus, and Jesus loves everybody. Like he's kindness, he's compassion, he's all these things. But then you get to the Holy Spirit, and if we label him convicting, like you just did, yeah. are we like, I don't want that. I want the Jesus. <laughs> I want the Jesus that loves everybody. I want the God that looks at me as his son. And I want the Jesus as my own boy. And even though if you look at Jesus, he's probably the most convicting person in Absolutely. the world uh, ever. And and God the Father, just read the Old Testament. Like there's, it's a lot of conviction. But I think sometimes I wonder. That's my my question, to you guys. Do we assign these labels to to the Trinity, and does the Holy Spirit yeah. kind of get the the bad label or the one that we don't want, even though it should be the coolest one? Because yeah. God living inside of us, what's better like yeah. like dwelling in us? Like 
what better is knowing that God wants to be with you to that intimate of a level? Like, why, why do we, why do we reject that? Yeah. And, I blame I Jesus for the label because he was the one who called him the convictor, the one who brings yeah. conviction in John. I totally agree and affirm that when you say like, oh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but comfort of Christ. Well, it's the comfort of the Holy Spirit too. Well, but when we, we were talking, you, you personally said yeah. that in your message when you said that and it was so, it was really great because you forget that when you're sitting there in that shame of like, oh, what have I done? I feel guilty. And it's like, but you have the comfort of what Christ had done, but it's through the Holy Spirit. Yes. But when we talk about um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I was like, I don't want to hang out. The Holy Spirit makes me feel bad. Yeah. You know, but it's like, no, 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 no. The only reason you can feel comfort of what Christ did is because you have that Holy Spirit. Like, can you really have a right relationship with Jesus and be like, yeah, me and Jesus, we're homeboys. We're good without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When it's the Holy Spirit that allows it. Right. All right so Megan, I'm looking over. She says, my Enneagram 9 who consider and be quiet the entire time. But you were going to say something earlier. <gasps> I'll start at the beginning because <laughs> <laughs> to answer your first question of how do I be the personhood of the spirit? Thank you, I, Megan, for saying that. I honestly that. don't think of him as a person. Yeah. God, kind of. Jesus, for sure. Spirit, I guess I think of more of essence. Yeah. Um, going back to my favorite book of Genesis, and it talks about the spirit hovered over the waters. It wasn't a person standing there. I don't think, I don't know. I think of it as this essence or being that was just there. And so when inside of me, I don't think of like a little man sitting in my heart. It is the essence. <laughs> but you picture Jesus in your heart. Well, now I'm never no. not gonna. Well, no, but... I actually think of the spirit. Not like, I don't even like Jesus is in my heart. Like, But isn't that but part of the reason why we it... say that the person isn't about having a physical body because the father right. doesn't have a body. Right. And I think it's that, do you think it's that, that term spirit throws you off? Because we think of spirit, we think of incorporeal being the, floating. The term person throws me off. Really? Okay. Do you want us to go back to Holy Ghost? Will that help? Like, that's better. But it's actually less it's accurate. It's my favorite not, yeah. sign in sign language, by the way. It's like you take two strings and pull it apart. That's, spirit. Oh, okay. No, that was that. ghost. It goes, same thing. So Because it's tangible, intangible. That's right. Oh, there we go. I don't know. But no, I think of it more as that power source and he's the help and the to me he is the comfort sometimes yes the convictor actually i think of more as god the father as convictor and so i it i don't know not that it's necessarily open to interpretation but it's how you view each personhood i think so that's interesting because i think part of what we run into scripturally <clears throat> is the father actually hands judgment over to jesus the son so the one who actually is going to bring judgment is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And yet the convictor, the one who brings conviction, is the spirit according to Jesus. And this is part of the reason why I talked about how hard it is for us to comprehend the idea of Holy Spirit as a person. Because, again, if you ask a person, even the language we use, the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't have a relationship, and I use the hybrid analogy of my car, I don't have a relationship with gas or with electricity. <laughs> it's an impersonal force. And yet the... Paul talks about the power of the Spirit, but then he also talks about the relationship, the person of the Spirit who leads us. I don't get, electricity doesn't lead me. Neither does gas. Gas is just the power. And, and so I think that's why I asked the question is it's so hard to fathom because even the language. So we, I, I, I joked about this in sermon read through and hopefully I'll say it in the sermon. But even when you say the Holy Spirit, I don't say the Derek Crawford. Uh, Holy Spirit is actually that just like Jesus is the son's name, Holy Spirit is the spirit's name. Fun fact, when I introduce myself in a group, I do say the Derek Crawford. Yeah, like you're in a football. Like I'm you're... surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> but even like, so let's say even like the term, like when, they, when he's described as the advocate, to me, that gives a very person, like somebody advocating yeah. for you. That doesn't feel spirit to me. That feels person yep and that's so there is different terms the terms i think also throw it off as yep. well like how how is he described? it's confusing yeah and and i think that part of the reason why the bible the authors of scripture through the power of the holy spirit i think part of that's the mystery of of god is it would be nice if you know let's use that hybrid analogy again of the car if gas is the flesh like i can do things apart from god and i can even do good things i can't do holy things I can't trust in Jesus in my flesh. That has to come through the work of the Spirit in me. I can't confess Jesus as Lord through my flesh. That has to come through the Spirit. But I can be a loving person in my flesh. But the, the Spirit comes alongside and transforms what might be like, 
Megan, you're a naturally kind person. Yeah, I have a feeling that even without, if you didn't know Jesus, you would still be a kind person. It's kind of how you're wired. But spirit-filled kindness is different than flesh-filled kindness. You might be kind because you don't want to make waves. Yep. Or you might be kind because at the end of the day, you're like, hey, I'm no better than anybody else. So let's just be kind. But the spirit brings that to a, a godly level, a supernatural level mm-hmm. of kindness that it's no longer you're just being kind because uh, you don't want to make waves. Because sometimes the spirit comes in and your kindness allows you to make waves, but it's making healthy, holy waves. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yep. And I think in those instances, sometimes it's more when I need the spirits, the areas of my weakness yeah. and self-control or kindness kind of goes with gentleness, but I am not always gentle in my words. Yeah, I can be direct. And so if it's a point that I need to show some extra self-control or extra gentleness, that's when I need the spirit, when yeah. I'm not naturally yeah. good at it. Or uh, even you, th- oh, sorry. No, I was even thinking of like someone who's naturally joyful. Yeah. Like I'm a naturally joyful, bubbly person. Not all the time, obviously, because I'm a human being. But when it's a spirit-filled joy, when it's joy in all circumstances or how healthy and holy that joy can be, it's not just because I'm excited or excitable, that kind of joy that yeah. naturally bubbles over because I'm an excitable person. It's it's a deeper-rooted holy joy like the things even when you're naturally inclined to things are made better by the spirit mm-hmm. not just the weaknesses right. which i definitely feel like yeah. that fills in but they're the good things are even better mm-hmm. yeah what were you gonna say derek oh i'll need you to probably clarify because i don't remember exactly what you said but i know in your sermon you do talk about how something about it shifting a, shifting it from love to loving god yeah like loving god and I loving love, others and self in the way of god yeah yeah i love that like to me that's that's what I think is the difference between just being a good person and, you know, that what we're in the end, what the conviction is leading us towards is being more like Christ. Yeah. That's sharing that same love. And so. Well, and godly love is also rooted in truth and the Holy Spirit points us to truth. I know people He's who also are, described as truth. So that's right. Another name. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but I mean, Keep so, going, Derek. yeah. So you think about it like I know people who are naturally loving, but there's they don't ever care about truth because I'm just supposed to love everybody. You be you, boo. Right. I mean, it's there's no sense of right or wrong. I just love everybody. The, the spirit says you can be loving and still declare truth. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what's hard is when you look at the, the things of the flesh, you know, Paul even says the acts of the flesh, the things that you do in the flesh are obvious. And I wonder if it's true. Are they as obvious to people who are blinded? Oh man, absolutely not. And we were just having a conversation recently about this shadow self, this yeah. shadow work, and why we call it that is because it's you don't really pay attention to your own shadow. <coughs> like it's it's a part of you that you're not aware of. And often we find that to be things that we find ourselves to be abhorrent. Like yeah. I really don't like selfishness in others. I'm very quick to judge that in others. Like, man, that seems like a really selfish thing to do. But when I truly look at myself and feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm like, man, I'm a horribly selfish creature and often my good acts of well-being or or of like doing well for others are rooted in selfishness because I'm self-serving and I don't even realize it and I think that that's the Holy Spirit really helps call out this stuff even though it seems obvious to others you know the the obvious sins of like oh I clearly think you're sinning and I see your sin and I see your sin those are obvious. You obviously shouldn't be doing those things. Maybe we can point it out in everybody else, just not in ourselves. Like, yes. it's obvious that you are somebody who is this, this, or this. And I, and I don't want to take this political, but one of the things I do see, and I, I truly believe we do this as a, as, as a human nature, I think we like to attack the sins we're less likely to do in order to hide our own sin. So, yeah. like, let's say I want to attack people that are going through abortions. If they, if you think that's a sin, I'm going to attack that because it's I'm not sin. doing that. Or if it's, uh, you know, homosexuality, if you do it that way, well, I'm not that. Yeah. And so I think we like to attack the things that maybe we're not doing to hide from the fact, well, maybe I did overeat. Okay. Maybe I, I do have a drinking problem. Maybe I have all these things, other sins that are there. I think we do it to hide those. Yeah. And I think we, we attack others. And that's where, okay. That. So that's interesting because now when we look at the role of the spirit, the spirit turns the finger from pointing at other people and turns it internally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, that's the convicting part is it, when the, the spirit is really working inside of us, maybe one of the ways we know it's the spirit 
is it's not a conviction that leads to shame and hopelessness. It's a conviction that makes me go, first of all, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me and, yes. and forgiving my sins. But also, I remember somebody, that I, and this has happened numerous times, I'll meet with somebody for counseling or coaching. I don't like to call it counseling anymore. And they'll say, well, you know, I don't want to share everything because you must think horribly of me. You know, and they'll share something like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't, I'm so embarrassed that I'm sharing with this you. And I'm, here's the response that I've been saying. I've got my own sin to worry about. I don't have time to worry about yours, to judge you for yours, because I've got just as much my own problems. And that I think that was part of when I started maturing in my faith, early on in my faith, in my immaturity, I grieved the Holy Spirit because instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to focus on what how God wanted to work in my life, I was always focused on how the Holy Spirit needed to work in your life. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes our understanding of obedience and that that's necessary to walking by the spirit, walking in faith. We, we think that that means you're obedient gets in the way of the compassion of the Holy yeah. spirit. Mm-hmm. You talked about putting in the work yeah. of spiritual formation. And if I'm not putting in work, it's easy to really dismiss my own sins yeah. or to never honestly feel convicted. Cause I'm just doing my own thing. Who cares? But it's in those moments that I am being quiet, that I am sitting before the Lord, that's when I it the self-conviction comes in of, oh, I've been doing that, or oh, yeah. forget what so-and-so is doing, like I have a much bigger issue in front of me. But if I don't have those moments, I often miss an opportunity to, yeah. Yeah. to improve my relationship with God, which is ultimately what I want. Yeah. So in, uh, <clears throat> we're going to be talking more about the Enneagram. We're going to do an Enneagram uh, seminar training here in the next couple months or so. And part of the role of the Enneagram, if you're listening, like, what's that? It's a spiritual formation tool that has been used by Christians and non-Christians alike. But the primary point of it is, is not to make an excuse for yourself, but to reveal why you do things so that you can bring them to Christ and crucify them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we do is we fall asleep to ourselves. It's so easy to just kind of walk through life like a zombie and not pay attention, not think about it. And quite frankly, I, I know some people, I had somebody who said to me one time, I don't want to be a Christian because it seems like as a Christian, you have to you have to really focus on change and it's just easier to go through life. That's true. Mm-hmm. Like if you really want to follow Jesus, Paul actually says at the end of Galatians 5, we're supposed to crucify ourselves with Christ, crucify the flesh you first have to know what you need to crucify. That takes energy and work. Yeah. And some people just want to go through the motions and exist because it's easy. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a painful process, too, to look at yourself. I mean, I think initially a, a lot of human beings want to do a lot of self-help stuff and be like, I need to work on my confidence. I want to work. I want to be. Yeah. <clears throat> I want, I, you know, I, I'm really, um, what's the word, like self-conscious and like I'm, I'm self-deprecating. And that is a form of self-hatred. And that's shame. And that's not what God wants for you. And we really focus on how to build ourselves up. But I think that it's also really important to have this this um, awareness of that other side of it, not good nor bad, of the fact that your personality is multifaceted, that there are yeah. negative things about you that you need to be aware of in order to grow yeah. and become more Christ-like. Yeah. Christ-like behavior doesn't yeah. mean self-help behavior. Well, and, and self-help is as opposed <laughs> to spirit help. The help, the spirit's called the helper. Right. Self-help is gas-powered. It's look yes. what I'm, I've done. I read the latest so-and-so book. I did self-actualization. You're at the I. I'll tell you when the spirit gets in on some things on me, all of a sudden I find myself one wanting to hide. I go all the way back to Genesis chapter three. When the spirit starts hitting some stuff in me, my natural inclination is to want to run and hide because I feel naked and ashamed. And I'll use an example. So you were talking about looking at uh, other people and you can't stand selfish people. And then you realize how selfish you are. Yep. <laughs> people, flaky people annoy me. Sure. It's hard for me. And, and the reason is, is that if I'm completely honest with myself, and as you were saying, and I felt that kind of that conviction, my flakiness is not a, if we say we're going to do lunch, I don't show up. My flakiness is it's, and it's part of my, it's the shadow self of my personality. When something gets hard, I want to run. When things are difficult, <coughs> excuse me, it's easier to jump to the next thing or I'm always looking for the new thing. That's a form of flakiness. And that's something that God's been working on. And I've been pressing into the Holy Spirit for several years now where instead of just bouncing to the next cool trend, new thing, I stick it out even when it's painful. Well, the reason why I hate, the reason why I don't like looking at flakiness or people who are flaky is it's a mirror reflection of me 
and I see too much of myself in it. Yeah. And then I think it goes off of this. It's not condemning what you two are saying, but I think one of the other issues we have is when we look at ourselves, instead of seeing what God wants to do in us, I see so much from people where they only compare themselves to others. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not as good of a Christian as Megan because she's the holiest person I know. Or I get this a lot, like, well, I'm not going to be able to pray as good as you, Derek, because you're a pastor. No. Like, I think it, we miss... I've heard Derek we, prayers. They're not that Yeah, they're not that great. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we miss... It's true. And I think we, we miss what God's trying to work on ourselves if all we do is see ourselves through the I lens agree. of other people. That's right. And I think that's that's a hard thing. Not that you can't, because, I mean, obviously you're going you're gonna to see other people, but... I, I think the negative is also there, too, where it's like, well, at least I don't murder people like that guy did. Or at yeah. least I'm not, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's the obvious do... sin. Yeah. But so. even going back, and this is where when you, and I'll read through the list. I mean, the acts of the flesh are obvious, and I love he breaks them down into categories. And we don't see them immediately, but Paul had categories in mind. First are sexual sins. <clears throat> it feels like, particularly in the church right now, this is a sin that is a hot button issue where it's so easy for evangelicals, for Christians to stand on their soapbox and say, at least we're not doing what they are, and pointing fingers at people in communities who are struggling or wrestling or who are fully bought in. And yes, I'm talking about LGBTQ stuff. You know, again, if I don't struggle with homosexuality or with gender identity, it's easy for me to say, well, why aren't you living for Jesus? Well, wait, what's... But did you live together before you got married? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or are, you how know, many, like, yeah. how many, are you are you knocking on those doors? Do you know how many couples, I mean, and I, I, this year I married a lot of couples, only two out of all the couples that I did were not living together, actively engaged in sexual relationships. I don't share that as a judgment. I share it as a blind spot. It's that because, shadow self of our... Because if I were to go to them and say, do you love Jesus? I asked them, do you love Jesus? Oh, wholeheartedly, love Jesus, I'm all in. Okay, well, you're all in except for this area. And so Paul starts off with the one that, quite frankly, the reason why he starts off with sexuality is that is usually the controlling identity factor for most human beings. Mm-hmm. Not just new. This has existed in the ancient world. We define ourselves by a gender. I'm a man. Uh, in in you know part of the masculine toxic masculinity culture was men conquer, and so you have men sleeping around with tons of women. They'll say they love Jesus, and yet they've got porn all over their computers, or they objectify women, or they are abusive because you know they're masculine. He starts off with sex because it's the opposite of true love, which is the first fruit of the spirit. Right, and then it's he, often hidden. It's the hidden one. Except for the person that you've done it to. Right. And And it's so twisted, too, in mm -hmm. every facet of our culture where nobody knows what a real biblical love really is. Even just saying the word, like, God is love, makes some people cringe because they're like, ew, romantic, gushy love. No. Right? It's so misunderstood. I totally understand. Well, and even think about this, and I'm going to say a phrase, and I I guarantee everybody's going to have the same walk of shame. Mm -hmm. Who do you picture taking the walk of shame? It's never the man. It's always the woman who's leaving the the dorm room in last night's clothes. The man was just as shameful. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what I'm saying. So we have immediately Paul goes after this is a an issue not just then, not just now. It's been an issue as long as humans have been around. And the Bible, and I talk about I may talk about this on Sunday, I don't know yet, but the Bible actually exposes sexual sin throughout its pages. The yeah. heroes, the quote unquote, I say quote unquote because they certainly are not heroic. The main characters of the Bible, almost all of them have some downfall with sexual sins. Mm-hmm. Almost every single one until you get to the New Testament with guys like Paul and Peter. But all the Old Testament, Abraham, sexual sin issues. Moses, we don't really see any ones, but I don't think that's, I think that was more of an abnormality. Joseph. Joseph is, he's with a woman who, yes, she has the power dynamic. He's in a position, but there's still, there's that he has to run away naked and she accuses him of rape. And some people are like, well, it's not his fault or... He should have been in the position. No, there was a power dynamic that took place there. Mm-hmm. From King David, the, the mightiest of kings, was a rapist. And yet then you also have people who just simply are doing sexual acts, having multiple wives when God never says that's okay. So Paul starts off with sexual sins, but then he goes into witchcraft and idolatry, and all of us have idols. Now, specifically, he's dealing with a Greco-Roman culture who physically made idols and worshipped Zeus and Apollos and, and Hades and all those other gods. But then the idea of witchcraft was you, you do witchcraft in order to control circumstances. You do a potion. You, you don't look to God for healing. And we can take this the negative way where I actually, years ago, before Lisa and I got married, I had a mentor who uh, belonged to a very, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. 
he basically, when he found out that Lisa was on medicine for anxiety, for depression, said, well, you cannot marry a woman who takes medicine because that's against the Lord. And she's just not praying enough. And he actually said she's not tithing enough. And you should never marry somebody who's on, on medicine because that's not God's will. That's not what witchcraft is. God gave us medicine as a gift. Witchcraft is when you use medicine, primarily drugs, as a means to encounter or to control or to discern the future. That's what was going on. So they would go to a medium to find out, hey, is my loved one in heaven or in hell? First of all, that's not yours to know. That's between the Lord. The Lord only is the one who knows that. But why did you do that? Because you wanted control. I need to know. And instead of seeking comfort in the Holy Spirit, you sought it through a medium. Reiki, uh, all these other new age things that are going on, that's witchcraft. Witchcraft is using things that are counterfeit to the Holy Spirit to control God. But the one that really got me, and as a pastor, if you take this list and you compare it to Paul's list of what qualifies a pastor, I mean, the, this list, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy. Like those are qualities. Those are not actions. Those are character attributes. Those are attitudes and mentalities. Mm -hmm. And I look at that and like, there are some of those that I don't really struggle with. I don't really have outbursts of anger. But have I been dissent? Have I caused dissent at times in my life? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and so Paul, he's really, what he's doing is saying, you realize we're all guilty of walking in the flesh. No one escapes this unscathed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Everyone's going to feel the smoke, the heat from this. But the difference is, is that there are some people who aren't trying to escape it. They want to live in it. And those are the ones who don't inherit the kingdom of God. It's because they don't want the kingdom of God. They want this kingdom. They want this kingdom of darkness. They don't want God to be in control. They don't want Jesus as king. They don't want to be spirit-led. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to the fruit of the spirit. Um, okay, children's ministry person. Mm -hmm. It's such a temptation that when you describe the fruit of the spirit, we want to label the fruits. Okay, fun <laughs> game here. We're going to name what fruit we think each one would be, even though it's not oh what gosh. it is, because it's one fruit. So I think love is a banana. Oh, my goodness. Why? Because bananas are awesome, and everybody loves bananas. Oh. Disagree. I... If you could put if you could put if you could put a fruit with one of the spirits, what would oh, it be? I like I also wasn't joy. raised in the church. That's why so, I said like, kids ministry. Kids ministry, if if that is a normal thing to like give fruits to the banana, and there is like a camp song. I'm trying to think of I it, like, like bananas, mangoes are sweet, papayas are yeah, I hate the song. I don't know. Well, anyway, I anyway, <laughs> let me finish. I, I'm gonna let you finish, but Beyonce, just hold on. And like I, I don't, I don't do the fruit of the spirit that that way. That's not what I do. So just, just full disclosure there. Good, I like, I like. Yeah. That. <laughs> I just so you know, I don't do that. But, um, I think that y'all just shot down my idea. I wanted yeah. to have a fun game, and no, it's not happening. All right, for the viewers listening, <laughs> I wanted that, but they shot it down. Continue, Kate. Um. I was going to say that I think patience is probably an orange because it takes forever to peel it. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I would say love is grapes because it's mushy and gushy and sweet. Yeah. And Derek is just ignoring the whole thing. <laughs> you just kind of do your own thing anyways. That's why I love you, Derek. Well, and, and here's, my, here's why I did that. As we think of the fruit of the spirits as, well, I'm growing in love. I'm growing in joy. I'm growing in peace. But they're not separate. They, it's one fruit. Mm -hmm. And they grow simultaneously. Uh, Tim Keller, in his commentary, he actually talked about that. The reason why Paul used the analogy of fruit, and I love this first one, is that none of these just happen. You don't even know they're happening. Like, when I watch corn grow, because we live in Iowa, I'll drive by one time in a field, and the corn, I'm like, there's nothing there. And like a week later, it's like 19,000 feet tall. And I'm like, how do... by the 4th of July. Yeah, like, I don't, even, I don't even understand. And then all of a sudden, it's not there one night, and then all of a sudden, there's corn, and it... Like, that's the point is you may not know that the Spirit is working in somebody, that there may not be evidence in you because you don't know what God is doing internally. But the, the point is, is that those, the fruit of the Spirit is not, I'm growing in love. No, all of these happen at the same time. We suppress, that's the grieving of the Spirit. When our sin enters in, we start acting out of not in kindness, but they're growing within us. You look like you want to say something, Derek? No. No? Okay. Um, when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, if there are areas, and I'll tell you for me, like when I read it, are there ones that for you, you go, this is an area where I can grieve what God is trying to do in me? And I'll be real. My big one that I struggle the most with is self-control. Hmm. Self-control is the one for me because, again, I love new experiences. Um, I tend to uh, 
I love food. I love traveling. I love these things. When my flesh, when I'm operating on my flesh, I tend to let my desires take control more than anything else. That's one I struggle with the most where I'm just like, God, this is an area of surrender where I know you're doing it in me. But when I'm not walking in the spirit, that's the one where I can get in the way. How about, do you have one that stands out to you when you think about it? I really love and try to focus on a lot. And I think that just in the season of my life that I'm in, the the word forbearance. Peace or patience. Patience, yeah. but it doesn't mean just patience. The, yeah. the intent of the word, and one of my favorite parts of American Sign Language, I use a lot of it when we are doing scripture memorization because it's a visual language. And one of my favorite things, the word for patience or to bear one is the same as to bear to hold weight is um when you take your thumb on your lip and you bring it down your chest and the opposite of that is pride or proud and you take your thumb and you puff yourself up and so like to bear someone is to truly like the visual language of to hold someone's pride to humble yourself to be patient in that, to stop yourself. And so when I act out of, I lose my self-control, it's often out of a lack of patience. Mm -hmm. I'm frustrated. I want to get to the next thing. I want to take control. And I I know God is continuously working on that in me where that I'm truly humble and not working out of a selfishness or a pride. And it's kind of that opposite of it. So I really, that's an area of weakness. So patience for for you is where the spirit that's where you yeah. can grieve. And you actually, by saying that, you reminded me, usually when I lack control, it's because I'm looking for joy in the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So joy is kind of the big one for me. I, I try and find joy in, you know, that chocolate, piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> How about you guys? What's Is there an area on here when you look at it, you go, you know, this is one that I feel like the Spirit's working. And I know it's a little vulnerable. You don't have to go into details. but No, I was going to say joy too, because when I'm in my self-pity or in my frustration or anger is a big one. I stuff things until I don't, and then it's just ugly everywhere, and there's absolutely zero joy in the process of getting there, but yeah. then also when I'm there. So joy is a, is a big one. Would you say, Megan, because you actually, I talked about kindness. Do you ever feel like sometimes you have a false sense of kindness? that it's All not, the time, yeah. Yeah, and so that, that spirit-controlled yeah. kindness is actually a kindness that's coming from a, a true gentleness um, uh, being gentle with people just as God has been gentle with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you, Derek? I'm going to piggyback off patience, but I, I think I view it a little, a little differently. I don't know. I so much want to do everything by my own accord and how yeah. I want to do it when I have, when I want to do it, obviously from this podcast, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I see that in other people too, or, and I, I, I talk about a lot in, in my sermons and stuff where I feel like so many people are rallied behind their cause and they're so, if they're so inspired by it, they're so on fire for it. And half the time I ask though, is, is God directing it? Yeah. And like, and so I have to ask that question a lot. So when I think of patience, it's like, no, Derek, be patient in what God's wanting to tell you. Be patient in his timing, be patient in his direction instead of wanting it only about you and what fuels you, like make sure that it's, that you are turning it to God. And so that's kind of how I, God's working in me when it comes to patience. Would would you say that, because I was reading one thing, I was talking about part of the role of spirit-filled peace is realizing you don't have to be in control. Mm -hmm. Because that's so often we want to make the peace and and peacemakers, people who just don't want to rock the boat, you have no problem rocking the boat. Would you say that maybe part of that is also realizing that to you to be at peace, to realize that sometimes you being in control actually causes more waves than God wants? Oh, definitely. Yes. I think that's definitely one. But that's why I've always had the trouble with the, just the term and idea of surrender like yeah. or submitting to, yeah. to Jesus as king. I use that terminology so much because that's the one I struggle with is that it's so hard for me to just submit to, to, to God's authority or submit to the Holy Spirit or whatever yeah. it might be. Even though I agree 1,000% with probably whatever direction God wants me to go, it's still hard for me. And yeah, so, you'd rather be on the gas-powered yeah. than the Spirit, because the Spirit-powered, that that something that's outside, I, I think that's for me. Like When I started realizing or thinking through as I was putting together this illustration of Spirit, I think one of the dangers that I see a lot of Christians move into is this idea that we can't do anything good on our own. We can only do it with the Holy Spirit, and yet 
I know a lot of people who do good. They're just doing it out of their own flesh. You make good decisions, but that doesn't mean they're God decisions. Yeah. And there is a difference. Now, God likes a good decision. A good decision is good, but sometimes God has better or best in mind, and it may not align with your definition of good or my yeah. definition of joy or your definition of you know, humility or your definition of kindness. I love that scripture points to as well, the Holy Spirit leading. Like I think of ministry, we might make good decisions out of the flesh and it might be a good ministry that we're doing or a good program, but you'll know it by its fruit. Yeah. And you'll see like, yeah, good fruit, but like there's holy fruit. And then it's like, or it's not bearing any fruit. It was like, but this was a good thing. I, I was just recently talking to Derek about it. This, this, um, a blended family support group. We have a lot of blended families in our church and we don't really have a support for them in the church. Historically, there's not really mm-hmm. support from the church, Capital C Church. And I was like, I'm going to do this thing. It's going to be every month. It's going to be so cool. And it just kind of died out because it wasn't something that the one, the parents had come to, but also I, I had to be very uh, introspective. I was like, was this something God asked me to do or is it something Kate wanted to do? Because yeah. it was a good thing, yeah. but you could tell from its fruit. Oh, I've had, I'll tell you, there have been times I, I thought for sure the Lord said, teach this thing or do this teaching series, and then it lands flat. Yeah. And then there have been times that I, through community, and this is one of the reasons why I love Sermon Read Through, why I appreciate our the team approach we have. For me to fall into the belief that I alone hear God and that therefore everything I decide to do must be God-ordained, Talk about such a small view of the church, but also such a high view of myself. Yeah. And and I think there's something to be said. And this actually goes with the last part here. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucifixion is an intentional thing. It's the doing the work. We have You actually have to put things in your life that allow you to kill unhealthy things. And if you don't, going the way of the flesh is super easy. In fact, it, it requires almost no effort to do what your flesh wants because... It's the law of, you know, everything. everything's going to move in the natural direction of chaos and disorder. That's where I want to go. When I take Jesus seriously, when I take what God's Word says seriously, when I take the challenges of Paul and I allow the Spirit to work within me, it's hard. And I think that's part of it is, is that crucifying of flesh. That's why, again, things like the Enneagram, they're great tools. The source of hope comes from the Spirit and it comes from the Gospel. Jesus frees us, but we need tools sometimes to help us understand what our natural inclination towards chaos go, right? Um, All right, last question. And the last illustration I I used on Sunday or I'm using on Sunday is talking about the fire hose and how the Spirit can still use you in spite of your sin. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of the gospel and God. God is powerful. He can use sinful people to do incredible things. But this idea that we, we have the Holy Spirit in us there, we have access to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we're, we're, I want to talk about at some point what does baptism of the Holy Spirit look like because I think there's misunderstanding on it. But if you have full access to it, the fire hose, the nozzle is what controls that. And the thing that dampens your power is sin. That when you get in the way, you have all this ability to do the things that God has called you to live in, in the Spirit. But first it comes from a relationship with the Spirit. You have to know the Spirit's desires. My stomach is rumbling. So yeah. Tears. <laughs> we ate before um, Yeah. <laughs> You have to know the Spirit's desire. You have to learn the Spirit's voice. Um, But also you have to be obedient. And sometimes it's way easier to get in the way of the Spirit. Uh, When you think about this role of, uh, has there been a time, let me say it this way, has there been a time in your life, not perfectly, no one does it, when you look back and you go, wow, it's so cool to see how the Spirit moved in that. And that there was there wasn't there wasn't something standing in the way in that moment. In that moment, it might have just been for ten seconds. You had a moment where sin wasn't getting in the way, and the, and the Lord moved. Has there is there share a story in a time when you can look back if you oh, if you can yeah, for sure. I think one of my blessings and my curses of my personality of who I am as a person is I'm a two feet in kind of girl, and I I jump and I go and I'm I do it. 100% all the time, which can be annoying for poor Derek that I'm 100% all the time. But <laughs> Derek is nodding. So good, he's nodding. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm a lot. But um, so when I first found Faith, I was in a, a relationship that was not marriage where we were living together. And um, I just kind of like justified it and didn't look at it. It was like one of those sins where it's like, oh, this one's okay, though. And it was actually on a wonderful mission trip with 
Megan and Bethany, when we were talking about, they were married women talking about submission to their husbands. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, but then, you know, you submit to, to people that you plan on marrying. Right. And it was like, you can literally hear it. Like, what'd you just say? (laughs) I don't think you understand that. Right. And so anyway, this conversation led on that. It really called out this shadow sin for me. And then in this moment of reflection and the Holy spirit conviction, And I'm just like, God, speak into this. God, tell me. I don't know. Holy Spirit, like, help me. And I didn't physically hear the word, but I knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking, obey. Yeah. Obedience. Obey. You want my, you want my blessing? You want me, you want me to tell you how to live life? Yeah. Obey me then. Mm -hmm. Submit. And so it turned my entire world upside down. I moved out, got my own place, had to live on my own as a single mom. I called off a wedding that had already been paid for and completely turned my life upside down. And it was so hard. It was miserable. It was so hard. Obedience is not easy. But the entire time it was like running downhill. That's how I knew it was the Holy Spirit. It was not safe. (laughs) It was hard. Running downhill is hard, but I couldn't stop. Yeah. Once the obedience started happening and I kept going and I look at my life and I just think, wow, God, you protect me in that. You yeah. absolutely had your hand all over that obedience. And so when people come to me and they say like, oh, yeah, but it's really hard. I don't want to move out of my boyfriend's house. You know, we're going to get married. and It's cheaper. And I was like, I have no sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I get well, it. I know it's hard. So, you know, what's great about this because now you look where you are. It's that step of obedience. And because you got there, God brought you now to marry to a wonderful man. Yes. You're serving in a church, right? But you had to take that step of faith. Yes. And obedience, which was hard. And I actually remember when the conversation happened, and you may not know this, but I think Megan and I were talking about it. And she's like, I don't know if Kate's coming back to church. <laughs> because there was a whole, like, it was a hard conversation. Yeah. And, and that's human, and maybe it wasn't you, but I remember someone told me about it and was like... I can about assume who told you about it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, but it was like, it was really a, like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, because some people, they hear that and they run. Well, that's legalism. No, that's not legalism. It's protection. Sometimes God puts yeah, laws... I two feet in. I said, if I really think Jesus is Lord, <clears throat> I better start acting like it. Yeah, I think about mine. One of my moments, I entered into ministry. Uh, Lisa, I was, in, I was living in San Diego. I was doing worship conferences. I had done a worship conference in Phoenix. This is in 2000. And I came back and I heard the Lord very distinctly, not audibly, but it was just very clear. Pick up your stuff, move to Phoenix. I'm going to make you a youth pastor. I had no education. I had done some worship conferences. I had never led a church or a youth ministry before. And I looked back and God opened the doors like a floodgate. And I think it was that step in obedience. And I didn't do it perfectly, but I look now at where I am. But I think in smaller ways, so that's a big example. I think about those times where God just lays somebody on my heart. A simple thing is just call somebody and I'll call them. And they're like, oh my gosh, you had no idea how much I needed to hear from you. Like, that's a simple, yeah. it's not always a huge life thing. Right. Sometimes it's that moment where I'm getting out of the way of the Spirit, uh, out of the Spirit's way, and the Spirit does that and I obey and I experience the blessing. It doesn't have to be always huge. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of the concern. Or sometimes we misunderstand. How about you guys? The example I'm thinking of is actually with one of my second grade girls on Wednesday nights of just, there was this moment that she lied about a sucker. She took someone's sucker and lied that she had taken it. And the girl that she took it from was upset that so-and-so took her sucker and she's adamant. No, I didn't. And so it was one of those, like, instead of me jumping in and like making it a Bible lesson or story, it was just like, all right, don't worry. Like, we'll, we'll get you another sucker. We'll figure it out. Well, I totally forgot about getting another sucker. And, um, the girl later that had taken it came up to me and like confessed basically. And she's like, I did take her sucker. I I never actually had one. I just wanted it. And that moment of like, Oh, like I didn't, I could get out of the way. I didn't have to like play God and like figure out who did what, like just giving some space sometimes allows people to come up with their own repentance or their own conviction. Yeah. And so, and it was a good (laughs) moment then afterwards I could step in and, and do the teaching moment of, okay, let's go talk to her and ask for forgiveness and see what happens. Such a beautiful image. It was. It's such and a like, beautiful for story. For kids and, and just to, for her to go to her friend and yeah. say, I'm sorry, I took your sucker. And for the friend to forgive because they're second grade and it's 
we're still friends. Yay. Um, It was a cool moment and just a realization of when you do mess up, how easy it can be to. And you mean that you didn't even know that the Holy Spirit was moving in it. No, I didn't at the the time. It was just like, just get out of the way. I love that. Yeah. How about you, Derek? Uh, So I'm going to, I'm going to zoom out on it, but I think it's going to, I think it ties into what we've been talking about this whole time is when I, when I look back, you know, I live a, and I don't know if it's just my personality, but my, my life has been relatively blessed. Like I don't, it's always just been good. Like not, I don't have a lot of traumas. I don't have a lot of stuff like that in my life. It's been pretty (coughs) consistent. And so like, that's why I'm, that's why I agree that like you can be good without it, without necessarily God being there. But when I, when I do look about the moments where I, where I do just let God work in my life and I look back, I can see where that's when I was living in the fullness. Like yeah. that's when I, yeah. it wasn't just the, the limited ones that when I have control, you know, I feel like I can see where even though life was good, like it still was limited and it was yeah. still restricted. But when I, when I just let God be free with it, I can look at that in my program, like the youth program, I can look at that in ministry at Zion. Like I, I think that happens a lot at times when you try to have such a, a firm grasp on things versus you know, when when, God, when you can see God in control. I think I, I said that about the, I don't know if it's Celebrate Recovery or if it was the, the Josiah's place where they're like, you know, Derek, maybe you should have more hands-on role in it. I'm just thinking like, I think I'll mess up what God's doing yep. there. Like it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think God's doing something good. And I don't think he, I don't feel like he's calling me to do that yet. Because, yeah. And I think I'll mess it up, you know, cause God doesn't need me. He might use me, uh, but me, he yeah. doesn't need me. And so I don't know. That's what I like to think back. So I know that's not one specific story. No, but, but I love that. That you're, cause you're encompassing the whole thing. And I think that what I like about that is you have Kate's story, huge life-changing Holy Spirit moment. And you've had other ones for sure. I, so I had one big one early on and I've had others, but it's the Holy Spirit in everyday life can do that. They're not always huge momentous things. Sometimes they are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're game changers. Sometimes it's a sucker in second grade. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, and I love that you got out of the way. You let God do the work instead of you having to fix it in the mm-hmm. flesh and you didn't even realize it. And I, I want to end with this. We not we don't always know what God is doing or even we might be just trying to be as you were. I don't need to be in on this and not realize that the Spirit's working and that you're getting out of the way. Hey, uh, I, this last couple of weeks, I've actually gotten a few text messages and talks from individuals who are listening to the podcast. And I want to, if you're listening to this one, thank you so much. Um, I've been hearing a lot of positive things. Again, one of the ways that you can help encourage this ministry and allow it to reach out to other people, go on to Apple podcasts, Apple iTunes, not just on the app, leave a review, share a like, share it with a friend. Um, I've been hearing a lot of positives and people feel like it's helping them strengthen their faith and grow. And they love the different perspectives. And that's the goal of this. Hey, thank you so much, so much, so much. Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, listening to us. We so appreciate you're here. Uh, this is Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I love you, Bob Goff. I'm Derek. And Megan. Have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.